You're listening to Tabletop Arcanum, a podcast dedicated to learning and exploring the hobby of tabletop gaming. Your hosts are Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, so sit back and relax as we talk, discuss, and joke our way through the hobby we love so much. Massachusetts, a small band of intrepid investigators seek to uncover the nature of sinister menace that threatens humanity. But beware, the arcane realm holds countless terrors, and the investigators must take care to maintain their tenuous grip upon their very sanity and survive. Arkham Horror, the card game, is a one-to-two-player cooperative game in which a player resumes the role of an investigator and attempts to solve the terrifying Eldritch Mysteries. With a second copy of this core, up to four players can play the game together. Each game is a chapter in a longer campaign, with decisions carrying far-reaching and unexpected consequences. As a living card game, new cards and adventures are released regularly, allowing players to customize the contents of this core or to create their own original decks. The Ancient Ones await. Can any among us uncover their secrets and live to tell the tale? Welcome to Tabletop Arcanum, we're your hosts, Justin and Ricky, and today, as you heard, we are talking about Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm so excited to talk about this one. I know. Not that I haven't talked about this in almost every episode leading up to it. This is my... It's like when we had my Harry Potter episode, so yeah, this is is, is my Harry Potter episode. Yeah. If Harry Potter went to like the dark side of magic and things went really weird horribly 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 wrong with tentacles Ooh, no not that kind (laughs) well before we jump into anything we should jump into our role recap i'm gonna go first i am still in the process of moving so i didn't get to play a whole bunch but i did get to play a few rounds of harry potter i've played uh, with several different groups over the past few weeks because it is Again, my girlfriend's favorite game, so when people come and visit us at our house, it's the first thing to be pulled out. Um, I did also play I did also play Double Play Genius or Drunk. Uh, mm-hmm. We were having issues with the app that accompanied it, so we just kind of won it. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, one of those games that I picked up at Gen Con. Um, the, uh, the group... They're selling the game, selling all the um, the the games there. We're super nice. Um, they hit it right on the head saying, hey, you and your friends possibly going to spill a beer on a game. Here's a game that you might be interested in. Um, we had a few people over, drank a little bit, played it, and it was fun. Got very competitive. Lots of arguments ensued. Sounds about right. Yeah. How about you, Justin? So since last time, um, we finished up the Arkham Horror the Circle Undone campaign. Oh, I was there for that, so did that too. did not go... Well, it did not end well. We gave it our best. It ended. It did not end well. Yeah, everything was doomed. Um, but it was a very good campaign. We got two eight scenarios, and uh, I'll bring up that point again a little bit later when we actually dive into the review on the game, but... Mm-hmm. Um, got to the end of the campaign and just weren't set up well enough to succeed and ran out of time and yeah that's what happens uh played some more gloomhaven we got a little bit further than the scenario i think we got one more session before uh more characters retire and we unlock more choices for characters 
I'm playing the Elementos right now. Not a fan of it. Um, just takes a lot of setting up between, like, this turn is a setup turn to make me do awesome things next turn. Mm-hmm. But there's so much randomness that can happen based on the monsters reacting and other characters doing their thing that a best laid plan can go very awry in that game. So having a class that's very dependent upon it is very hard to play. Um, played a lot of Sentinels of the Multiverse. Uh, I got on a kick on it one day and I just kind of kept cranking through. Uh, I think I went through all four core uh, bosses. So trying to trying to get more and more reps on that game because it's been sitting around collecting some dust. I don't want it to. Then I had a, a kind of a casual game night with uh, Pandemic, uh, Burgle Bros, and then we capped it off with uh, Gen 7. And then um, got to play t- a new Stonemeyer game, Tapestry. Uh, got that twice between these uh, episodes. Uh, one one week and then one in the next week, as well as some more uh, a Game of Thrones card game and was... Uh, did a sample return to the Night of the Zealot, uh, the first scenario gathering for Arkham Horror, uh, just to see how the return to mixes it up a little bit. And I actually kind of like that. So um, it's a neat concept, and I will definitely be talking about that again a little bit later. So that's the rough down. Um, it's not a huge list, but it was definitely a lot of gaming anyway. Mm. Doesn't help that Borderlands 3 came out during this time, and I've been kind of putting a lot of reps and hours into that too yeah yeah so i mean you still got a lot more done than me and i have an entire house just to play board games in so do i yeah we're sitting in a room full of rpg books and yeah as i look around you have no excuse shame on you justin i know (laughs) it's the video games too can't do it all but i had i try anyway so that is the role recap, and now we will dive uh, into any news, anything exciting upcoming. Nothing that I've seen um, recently. Okay. Um, the Edge of Darkness Kickstarter started AEG, mm-hmm. so they actually have the next expansion being Kickstarter, and you can get in on the original um, Edge of Darkness Grand Box, which has all the all the goodies that came from the Kickstarter, and then they're also doing a uh, upgrade for. Anyone who's back in the new one for some extra components from the original that you're a little short on. And they had this nice idea of a leather draw bag with a screen printing on it. But then when that was folded and shipped, the screen printing literally stuck to itself and or the bag. And almost 100% of every phone I saw who got it, that bag looked like it had seen some uh, tough love. So one of the upgrades is going to be a, a cloth bag that should not do that because uh, I've gotten cloth bags like that before. And Very nice. So they, I think this is their way of saying, sorry, our bad, and uh, we're going to try to correct it. But mm-hmm. don't you want this expansion too? Um, so that's uh, the Kickstarter. There was one other. Uh, oh, Detective City of Angels. That was the other one. Mm. Their second expansion is also on Kickstarter as well. So, Oh, that was quick. Well, they just delivered the first one, so now... And it's AEG did kind of the same thing around Gen Con. They yeah. delivered on Shadows uh, or Edge of Darkness. So about a month later here. Mm. Month, no, about two months later, time to uh, get some expansions moving. 
So that'll be four more cases for Detective. And Excellent. this time they're also adding a optional uh, chisel screen. Mm-hmm. Which was a big request from people in the f- when they started playing the game is to have some sort of like RPG DM screen for when you're sliding in and out response cards, so mm-hmm. that uh, the other players that are not all the detective players don't really see what you're doing. You can kind of like you kind of have to be a little shy about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, not that it's unplayable. It's just a nice touch. Yeah. So that is the news I've got in that realm. There is some. Uh, Arkham Horror News, we got a new cycle kicking up this week. So the Dream Eater cycle will be coming out. I'm super excited for it. They also uh, put out the information on Arkham Knights. Arkham Knights is uh, a couple weeks away. Got three days this time. Really like two full days because it's like the second half of Friday. 11th, uh, 12th, and 13th. It's Friday through Sunday, yeah. Yeah, Friday through Sunday. So it's like Friday, about 7 o'clock is when everything kicks off, uh, event-wise, all day Saturday, and mm-hmm. then the first half of Sunday, everything kind of wraps up, up around like 3, 4-ish mm-hmm. or so. Yeah. So give you plenty of time to get out and go. Um, it's actually something that they did a handful of years ago was Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. Last few years, they've actually only done Friday and Saturday. I'm really excited to see that them expanding back to sun, adding, having Sunday being an official day. Yeah. Normally, when I've gone up, I usually hang out on Sunday and play other games because I'm, hey, I'm up there. I'm already playing the games. Let's hang out and play more games. Yeah. So um, that has some unique prizes if you can make it out there. Um, you can get a copy of the Blob that ate everything. They're going to have a massive Blob scenario played there too. There is um, acrylic tokens for the final hour board game that will be available that are part of your uh, entry and uh, goodie bag, as well as a cloth bag, which is kind of what they've done every year. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some alt art cards available. We just don't know what they are yet. Mm-hmm. And um, every year they they do the card council, so they select random participants to go in the room with Nat and Matt Newman and, and his team to design a card very nice technically they design two there's usually one good card and one bad card and they pull mm. two groups to do it um i have yet to be part of those groups hopefully maybe this year's the year but i've been going since 2012 and i haven't won a single thing since other than the overall championship and then uh my partner and i did uh the high score for elder tour last year very so nice we're gonna try that again because uh, they are doing scoring ch- uh, high score challenges for elder tour and elder sign and then one the one thing I'm personally excited for is the exclusive Arkham Horror third edition scenario uh, designed by Richard Linus, the original designer of Arkham Horror, who will be up there showcasing a unique scenario that will not be available elsewhere. Oh, very cool. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. Yeah. He also brings a, an oversized version of the original 1989 board. Mm-hmm. I think it's 89. Might be 87 one of those two but like his original arkham horror and he does it on like almost like a last time i saw it i think it was like a six foot long four foot high just giant board that's cool and so you can play the original game which is very different from the second edition and the second edition is very different from third edition Mm -hmm. so it's evolved quite a bit since then and then of course they got all the uh play with the designers and fun stuff like that too so yeah 
I'll be talking more about that when I come back and what actually happened. And I'll just be sitting here seething in jealousy. Follow on Twitter, at Sid Pikes. I'll be probably tweeting a lot. And we'll also share some of that on our joint uh, Twitter, uh, Tabletop Arcanum, probably Mm -hmm. on Facebook, Instagram, all the fun stuff. We'll be all over the place. Yeah. Well, you'll be all over the place. Well, yeah. But jumping into Arkham Horror, the card game, uh, this is an LCG game. Living card game. Living card game. um, Produced by Fantasy Flight Games. It is uh, designed by Matt Newman. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there Nate Finch? Nate Finch. Okay, Matt Newman and uh, Nate. Nate fin- sorry, Nate French. Nate French. Yeah. So, living card games are a little bit different from regular card games, and we'll I'll kind of break that down first because mm-hmm. um, I think that's a good baseline. Is Fantasy Flight created this LCG type of game of nothing's randomized. You buy the product, you get the product. It is the same one that you would buy or I would buy off the shelf. There's no opening a random card pack and seeing what you get, like magic. No variances in the card packs at all. You get what you get. You know what you're getting when you buy it. And then they're scheduled as a monthly release, typically. So every month there's a new pack. You pick up the new pack, you're still current. Mm -hmm. So that is a nice thing getting in on the ground floor form. This game is unfortunately from 2016 now. Uh, We're hitting the three-year mark. And... It's not as bad as other LCGs that are out there, but there's a lot of product and a lot of different SKUs mm-hmm. to pick up, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that, because none of it is really obsolete, unlike the competitive games like Game of Thrones, where there are some packs that you don't even really need anymore, because either those cards are banned, not very good, outclassed. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you might want them for a collection, but you may not actually be using them in a deck. They're more like binder fodder. Mm-hmm. So, um, the main structure of the Arkham Horror LCG sets is, uh, they're called cycles. Each cycle is comprised of one deluxe box, which is a little bit bigger, a little bit more cards, and it comes with two scenarios, and then there are six packs that come out once a month after that, um, called Mythos Packs, and those are your, uh, supplements, and they build a narrative campaign. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so you play the first two scenarios out of the deluxe, and then you play packs one through six after that, leading you to an eight-session campaign, um, which is a narrative, and it goes up and down. So whether you do well or not well or somewhere in the between on scenario one can carry over to scenario two, which carries over to scenario three, and your resolutions can change the narrative of your story. Uh, which is actually one of the great things about this. Is, mm. you know, it's a you, choose your own adventure where you have. You, I don't know if you have much choice in it. <laughs> you don't have much choice, but you do get to make choices in it that will affect you down the line. That is true. So let's take a look at the core and first impressions of the core box. So it's very small. It has a basic, um, basic card game box. Nothing really fancy about it. Um, the one thing that Fantasy Flight has been known for on their LCGs is that you usually need to pick up more than one core box mm-hmm. for deck building purposes, and this is no exception. You want two. You re- if you're going to play with like three or four players and you're the one supplying all the cards, that's when you actually go to that three or four. But two copies of it will give you one copy of every card 
times two, which is the limit of number of cards you can put in a mm-hmm. deck that are the same. So if you have a machete, you get one copy in one box. A machete comes from a second core. You can put both of those in one deck. Yeah. So pro and con there. The pro to it is unlike the other cooperative LCG Lord of the Rings, where sometimes uh, you could put up to three cards in a deck in that one. You would have some cards that are one of in a core, two of a core, or three of in a core. But to get a complete playset where you have at least three of every card, you needed three boxes. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit better because you're not really doubling down other than neutral cards to get your complete set on two boxes. Yeah. Now, upcoming Marvel Champions LCG, which will be coming out in the next month or two, is a complete playset in one box. Higher sticker price. We're looking at $60 opposed to $40 box. But you need one, not two or three. Mm-hmm. So... It's unfortunately, when you look up online, the nature of LCGs. Uh, after that, one of everything is usually good enough for you, though. Yeah. So, the other really cool thing, first impression about this box and game in general, is the chaos bag. So, instead of having a die or randomize or otherwise, you get these tokens. The scenario will tell you what tokens go into this dark bag of darkness. And when you do a test in the game trying to see if you pass or fail, instead of rolling a die, you commit your cards, you play what you need to do to figure out I'm the difficulty is 2, I'm at 3 or 4 for the skill, and then you pull a token out of the back. And the token will have a modifier, and then all of that combines whether you pass or fail. The neat thing about having the tokens, not only have this weird like tactile sense of like I'm putting my hand in the gaping maw of darkness mm-hmm. and pulling out something that is probably going to bite me. Um, you know, fear is the mind killer sort of uh, Paul Atreides problem here. But the really neat thing is throughout the campaign, based on your choices or based on how you do, tokens can be added or removed from the back, modifying the die, the, the randomizer itself, mm-hmm. which is something that isn't really found in other games. And that's one of the things I really, out of the box, love about it. Another really good impression that I have is your deck is your character. So unlike other LCGs where I'm just playing a faction or something like that, I am playing a specific character. They have specific deck building instructions on them. And the cards I pull from my deck are allies, weapons, actions that that character I'm portraying gets to do. Yeah, there's, there's flavor to the actual characters outside of just this is a card game grab your cards, we're just jumping straight in. Um, and I, I mean, I say this about almost every Fantasy Flight game. The The art on the cards is also fantastic. Um, Most of the time, I will say it hits out of the yeah. park. There are a few duds in this. Mm-hmm. Game, but compared to other companies and other art departments... Um, For how many cards they put out, I mean, you, you expect a few duds. I mean, yeah. otherwise, it's there. there's a lot of really great art. On mm-hmm. all kinds of different cards. Um, there is, if I can find the link, I'll probably put it on our Facebook. Um, there is a really good interview back in 2016 when Matt Newman launched the game mm-hmm. at Arkham Knights. And if I can find that video, he actually talks about the card design. So, and it's like subtle things that you don't pick up unless you actually like really pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Um, on a card 
I'll use magic cards for, as, a, as a primary example. You have the title of the card at the top, a piece of art, bottom half of the card is what it does. Mm-hmm. Player cards are like that. Enemies, the art's on the bottom. Mm-hmm. What it does is on the top. So when you put it in front of you, that this enemy is in front of you, the art's closest to you. It gives you this weird immersion feeling of this thing is coming at you. This is the art. The flavor text is further away, and that's just the game mechanics. But, like, systematically, everything's mm-hmm. coming at you. And that was actually a, a design choice that they made. So, like I said, if I can find that interview and the and design discussion, it was actually a really cool discussion to hear how how they thought really deep on this. Because everything's like Art Deco 1920s. All the borders are very stylized for that era, mm-hmm. too. So, it... It bleeds flavor and theme mm. through and through. And one more on the topic of uh, positive attributes of the game. Um, it is fantastic that it is a uh, living card game mm-hmm. uh, for something like this because being able to know um, I need this card, it's in this box, um, Yep, it, it makes it significantly better than... I mean, me and you have played tons of card games in the past. I remember mm-hmm. our latest obsession uh, was Star Wars Destiny, where we just would buy boxes of them and unwrap them and just prayed that we'd find something worth it. Right. Yeah, and that that's that's something I'm very okay leaving behind in the past. There mm-hmm. is a bit of endorphin rush. There is a, something about that. Um, like, I'm always on the cusp of going back to Magic because... Don't. I know I won't. Don't. No, I won't. Stop. No. Nope. The next set's about fairy tales. Stop it. Fairy tales. Stop it. It really cool. I'm going to get the water bottle. Squirt you down. Okay. Good boy. I still want to. No, I, I'm, I'm the same way, and we have to. We have to stay strong, Justin. Justin. Right. The marble LCG is coming. <laughs> That's where our money's going. Clearly, I have to buy into that next. But there is a lot to be said about this. And the other thing I really do enjoy, because of the semi-regular releases of one pack a month, and it's really like a new scenario each month, you can actually set up a group once a month, you meet up, you play the next story in the campaign, and then it's a month later. Uh, we I've been running the LCG night for... Um, like a year and a half now, I think. Mm-hmm. And one of the benefits is every other week we play Arkham. Mm-hmm. Every other week we're one scenario ahead. But we're also at the point of playing, we're going to replay one of the scenarios, and that's one of the great things that uh, Fantasy Flight released on this, is in the cycles, let's say they take on average six months. Mm-hmm. They actually take more like seven or eight, but six months. So you get about two cycles a year. So it started with Arkham Horror, the core box, which has three scenarios in it and its own little mini campaign, and it's all self-contained, which is super awesome. They released the Dunwich Legacy, which was eight scenarios long, first Mm -hmm. first cycle. They released the Path to Carcosa, which was the second cycle. Mm -hmm. And then after that, they released Return to Night of the Zealot, which is the core box campaign. So not only did they go back and refresh some things, they mixed up the scenarios. So you could play the original core version, or you could play the return to version. And it livens up that that scenario that you may have played a half dozen times or a dozen times already. Mm-hmm. 
there is variety in the scenarios, but once you kind of figure out what you're trying to do, for the most part, you know what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, Dunwich, for example, has a train scenario. You're trying to get to the front of the train, and once you figure out the mechanics of how to effectively do that well, every time you play it, you're getting a little bit better at it. Mm-hmm. Um, Mansions has the same problem. Is There is a little variety, but the more you play it, the more, the more you're you figure towards, it out. Yeah. Um, so the return twos are very good at refreshing that. Plus, they offered a storage solution for that entire cycle of cards. Mm-hmm. So now I have a return to Knight of the Zealot box, which has the entire campaign in it, plus some extra space for other stuff like my chaos bags and tokens. But then you can also... Um, so then they release a new cycle, and then they release the next return to box. So then Return to Dunwich came out after um, the Forgotten Age cycle. So they're about two cycles back on the return twos. Mm. So new cycle comes out, return to, you know, two cycles ago. New cycle comes out, return to two cycles ago. So it's keeping that old stuff refreshed, giving you a solution for it in storage-wise, and not saying we're going to forget about it. Mm. So all in all, very good game in a lot of aspects they do a lot of really good stuff with it yeah it's also nice having a story driven it's it's fairly inexpensive once you're in it yes uh because each each month you can expect to pay up to 15 dollars 15 or or 30 depending if it's a deluxe or Mm -hmm. a standard pack coming out so you're not not paying mm -hmm. arm and a leg each month for this it's more reoccurring costs which is nice yeah um Versus like four dollars of magic booster pack, mm-hmm. and you're buying a hundred packs in a box, and blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, I mm, should we talk about some of the negative things? We should I, go I into feel, some I, of those. I think we're at that cusp because this is kind of leading because into we're it. just loving on it so much. We should say some of the bad things that we have. So I've talked about how many cycles are out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you have the core box, which is. Not bad. That's forty dollars a core box. You have a cycle, which is one box that's thirty. Thirty, and then you have six fifteen dollar packs after it. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at about a hundred and twenty, give or take, plus tax and, and yeah. stuff. And if your FLGS is doing some sort mm-hmm. of like frequent buyer program, maybe you're getting like maybe a ten percent cut or something. Either way. Looking about 120 bucks per cycle. We're at two cycles that have returned two boxes. Mm-hmm. Forgotten Age, Circle Undone, and we're just starting the next one. So we have four full cycles right now mm-hmm. at 120 bucks. Not plus counting the eight, plus the $80 for your two cores mm-hmm. and four. A few standalone packs, which are fifteen to twenty bucks a pop. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at almost five hundred bucks at least yeah. for for an all in. You've got everything mm-hmm. start to finish, and that's if it's in stock. Yeah, the reprint cycles are slow. Now, one of the benefits I will say is you can start at any cycle. Mm-hmm. You want to start at Dunwich? Start at Dunwich if. You know, right now, as we're recording, the new cycle Dream Eaters is about to start. I probably wouldn't suggest it. I would probably start at Carcosa mm-hmm. uh, first. Dream Eaters is looking at being a little bit more complex. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so you might want to have some other cards available to you. But that's a t- it is still a jumping in point. Mm-hmm. Of a new cycle, start at you know, box one. And yeah. Move on from there and backfill later. Speaking of needing other cards, um, personally, when I jumped in, I bought uh, two cores and then um, each of the deluxe boxes. And then I found out that um, while looking at different deck lists online, that there are certain cards that are available only within the scenario packs. So mm-hmm. in order for you to have a full set of all the player cards, you do have yes. to buy all the different scenarios, which is a little unfortunate, especially if you need that one card and now you have to buy a random scenario in the middle of a, a campaign. Mm-hmm. Um that may or may not be in print right now. Yeah, exactly. So it it is an issue. Um, this is an issue that Lord of the Rings has too. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for a particular deck build in Lord of the Rings, and this one card is in this one pack, the benefit of it being both being LCGs is you know what pack you need, mm-hmm. so you don't have to like hunt down random opening packs to get that one stupid card. But it's whether or not you can get that in stock or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and hunt that one $15 pack down for that two cards that you're looking for. Um, it is something that I think they're taking an experiment with Marvel LCG mm-hmm. to see if they can get away with it. Because the Marvel LCG also is cooperative, but they're releasing player cards separately from the scenario packs after the core box. So the core box has like three scenarios and a bunch of player cards, but the first pack after that is going to be Captain America. And it mm-hmm. is pure captain america deck and extra cards mm-hmm. and it's all player cards it's all stuff to play with as as a player and then the pack after that is going to be green goblin which is a villain scenario so it's going to have villain stuff in it so my theory on this and i and this is me speculating for they're going with it i buy into arkham horror i have all the scenarios you want to play it but you really don't want to buy all the scenarios yourself. You just want cards for yourself to play with. Mm-hmm. But now you're buying packs that have both. Marvel won't have that issue because you can buy the hero. Of you your buy choice. the core and then the hero that you want. Right. Which would be fantastic. And if you're the guy who buys the scenarios, you pick up the scenario packs. Mm-hmm. I think that's where that experiment's kind of coming from. The other thing that that's doing is you, um, the Captain America or whatever other hero after that are going to be playable decks out of the box. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have a pre-constructed deck of, like, uh, you could just take this out right out of the box that you just bought f- you know, for $15 at your store and bust it open that night and play with your friends right then and there without having to do any deck building. Are they going to... You know, I'm wondering if they're going to have generic cards in there, yes, too. Yes, they are. Okay, okay. They'll have generic cards, and there will be some extra cards that are not part of the deck. Um, as well as um, some of the more neutral cards will be reprinted. So that's how they're going to fluff it. The okay. reprinted cards are not going to be very heavy, mm-hmm. but it is going to be a thing. Very nice. Very so nice. you'll get some extra cards. So my thought of needing a second core, even though they say you only need one for some more flexible deck building, over time will eliminate. Uh, Arkham Horror, going back to this, kind of has the same thing. It's I still recommend two cores. Mm-hmm. But you can get away with one core and a bunch of the deluxe boxes to start with. Mm-hmm. Your deck building is going to be a little bit weirder, but you can still do it. Yeah. Uh, compared to, you know, back in 2016 when it was, there aren't any other cards to play with. So 
There are uh, websites that you can find deck lists on mm-hmm. if you're starting to get into it. ArkhamDB is mm-hmm. a fantastic resource. Yeah. Um, and also apps. Mm-hmm. You also have to make sure when you are looking at that, if you do only buy one core set, make sure to look for deck, uh, deck lists that say one core set. People know what you're looking for, mm-hmm. and they'll put that on there. So you're not just going, oh, I really want to play Rex. Oh, can't play that one. I really want to play Rex. Can't play that one. Really want to play Rex. Can't play that right. one. You, you, you the can, net, yeah. They'll actually point it out and say, hey, you got one core. This, this is the, this deck the deck you can build with yeah. one core. Yeah. Um, they're um, a little bit weirder, but mm-hmm. they're still fun. Um, one, going back to some of the, uh, another positive note, mm-hmm. the events in this for this game are really cool. Mm-hmm. And I mean the Gen Con events that we talked about, like, um, there's been three of them so far. So the first year was um, Labyrinth of Lunacy, which you could have up to... Th- it, a normal game supports up to four players. You could have up to three groups of four players each, or less. You can actually have like mm-hmm. three groups of three or whatever, or, or three groups of twos. Um, it scales pretty nicely within up to four players, but you have three separate groups playing the scenario simultaneously, mm-hmm. impacting each other's play. So that was Labyrinth of Lunacy, the epic multiplayer variant. Yeah. You can also play it with one group, and you go through group A, group B, group C as the same group, and you kind of impact your choices along the way. It's like a mini campaign, but it's really cool to do as a, like, 12-player group. Mm-hmm. Um, the next year, they released the Guardians of the Abyss. There was actually a Gen Con scenario, which the outcome was recorded of mm-hmm. what the most common outcome was which impacted the follow-up scenario part two of it, which was at Arkham Knights last year. And then they released the two scenarios as a combo pack called Guardians of the Abyss. Mm-hmm. This year is the blob that ate everything. It's an unlimited number of player cap. The number of players you have is how much health the blob has. Yeah. Times uh, a lot. A predetermined number, yeah. A lot. Yeah, and that was that was a real fun event. I, I, right. Last year was fun, and then this year was really fun. And it, it's really nice to see them, like, pulling everyone together for stuff like that. Right. They, they, they are as much as the community as their community. I mm-hmm. mean, they really want people to enjoy their game, and they're doing what they can, what they can to bring everyone together. Yes. Um, but going back to a downside, my downside is the community, when it comes to reselling things, um, more specifically, like, I really wanted the alt art for the that that came with the uh, the novels, mm-hmm. and I just got all of them. It took me over a year to get them because they're just out of stock for so long, and everyone just throws them up on eBay for sixty to eighty dollars a piece when they're fifteen dollar books. So right there, it, it it gets a little rough there. So and it's, it's, it all boils back to the reprint cycles. Are, yeah, are rough in. If you're a completionist, it's maybe a little rough. Just take time. Yeah. yeah. Take your time with it. Everything will be reprinted, and you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that they have been doing that was a downside but is kind of okay now, I thought, is those uh, promo cards, per se. Mm-hmm. Is Arkham, as we talked earlier, Arkham Knights has those card council where people design cards on Friday night. Mm-hmm. They print them overnight in their in-house shop, and everybody gets a copy mm-hmm. of the design cards from the night before on Saturday. It's super cool. Those are cards that nobody else has unless you go to Arkham Knights. 
until recently, mm-hmm. in the last cycle or so, they started adding the cards from the first card console in. So we're we're a little bit delayed, but we are seeing those cards being put into mm-hmm. the regular everyday packs that you can pick up. Uh, the 13th Vision and the Council's Coffer were the very first two, mm-hmm. and they were in the last cycle. Um, I'm guessing in the Dream Eaters coming up next, we'll see the next ones from the next year show up. Yeah. And the cards from the card console aren't crazy or overpowered, but it's really neat to have them early if you can have them early. Um, but knowing that they actually print them, they, they rebalance them a little bit, they reworded them a little bit mm-hmm. from the first run, but essentially the spirit of the card is still the same and it's mm-hmm. in, in its final form. So... I think that's um, pros and cons about this. Let's talk recommendations. Who would you recommend this for? I'd recommend this for anyone who's a big um, like sci-fi horror fan. People who love H.P. Lovecraft because this is based on H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah. Um, people who are really story-driven, definitely. Uh, you, you like your narrative and your fluff, and you like to read things and, mm-hmm. and get immersed into the game. This will do it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would not. I tried playing this once with my uh, nine-year-old nephew and my fourteen-year-old niece. Was a little rough, especially yeah. because my nephew he can read, but you have having to, to like explain what that means in this scenario becomes a little difficult because it just essentially turned into me playing as two investigators and right. then my niece which semi-trailing around arguably one of the one of the more fun ways of playing solo is the two-handed where you play two characters at once mm-hmm. um, gives you a little bit more flexibility of what you can and cannot do in the game but um yeah no i definitely agree if you like narrative you like fluff you like lore mm-hmm. and you like story man is this game great for that if you're the person who re uh, skims over cutscenes and video games, or um, reads the last page in a book, doesn't I would say read the last page in the book? Uh. But I would definitely say, oh no, um, I found it. yeah, um, cut cut out um, fluff, yeah, in your in your games. Like, oh, this is a scenario. Let's read. Nah, let's not read. Let's just play the scenario. Yeah, you're gonna be missing out on parts of this game. If you've ever played an RPG and 10 hours into it, you just go, I have no idea what I'm doing, this may be a little rough for you. Right. Um, Whoever sets up the scenario also needs to be very good at thoroughly reading the scenario setup rules. That's why I have you do it. And I still smash it up every every once in a while. But it's... There are some of the scenarios, especially in the later cycles, they get a little bit more crazier, a little bit more, while you play it, really cool. Mm-hmm. But the pulling the encounter cards, pulling these sets, shuffling the right things together. Um, I remember we screwed up royally by missing one key word um, last year at Gen Con. Mm-hmm. Is the big bad boss was supposed to be set aside, out of play, not mixed in. I missed that one line of like this characters set aside mm. because it was a list of characters and it was just kind of in a block of list. I just missed it. And I, I'm not even getting Matt walked by and went, Oh, you're already, you already, you already got that character, the the boss out. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> already and, got him out. He's been out. And then looked at our board state and went, yeah, you guys messed something up. And I looked at him and went, that's supposed to be set aside. 
Yeah, that's supposed to be set aside. Whoops. Um, but really nice guy. Was very able to like, hey, I can identify by just looking at what I what you what I played. Mm-hmm. Um, that I was, you know, we were doing something slightly off. Um, yeah, so you just got to be very attentive, and if you're not looking for a quick setup, um, this game is not for you. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, I'm very good at it, and I've practiced at it. And I know several people rely on me for it. So if you have a dedicated guy who likes doing that, yeah, then you're good. But, um, yeah, it's a little rough on that. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing I will say is I will, uh, in you know, let's say final thoughts here. Mm-hmm. Arkham Horror, the card game, is a great game. I'll be playing this until it's done. Mm-hmm. And then I will probably actually continue to play this game even after they're, they're done making new cycles for it. There's so much to explore decks investigators so much to explore in this game Mm -hmm. it is definitely worth the investment i feel the game has a lot of life in it but i also feel at some point there will be an end Mm -hmm. and that kind of comes from the recent ama that ffg did anyway is the games kind of have a natural life cycle now is that let's pump out expansions until the horse is you know six feet under Mm -hmm. which i think is a more cultivated approach yeah my other final thoughts is there's a lot of things you can pimp out in this game um you can get new tokens you can replace you can get locations uh, the chaos the tokens shells for the tokens um, uh the chaos tokens yeah there's uh get coin capsules for the tokens because they're just cardboard and you mix them in the bag and they get worn pretty easily but you put them in like a, a coin capsule and it, it just it changes. feels so nice mm-hmm it so makes it lot. feel so premium the moment you do that. Yep. It's a small thing, but it gives longevity mm-hmm. for the game that keeps shuffling around and also makes it feel a little bit better. Um, I personally use Arbit's tokens myself because mm-hmm. um, I haven't found anything I like better that is... Mm-hmm. They're a little bit on the premium side of price, but at the same time, there's ones out there that are even worse in mm-hmm. premium price. And yours just looks so good. Yours yeah. look fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, my final thoughts on it: um, I haven't been playing as long as you, but I'm doing everything I can to dig myself out of the backlog. So I'm I'm buying it as much as I can because it is it is that kind of game where when you have it, you really want to play through it. Um, I do like the fact that um, you can play it by yourself or with a group of people, like you said, meet together. It also brings a group. of Together, I mean, we we just did mm-hmm. um, Circle and Done um, all the way through us and our group. Mm-hmm. And it's just nice to see the same people every week, camaraderie, yeah. dealing with the madness, everything. Um, I think I think what they're doing with it is fantastic. It is, although I say sad to hear, like like you said, that every game has its natural end. They don't want to keep pumping out expansions. Mm-hmm. That may be for the best because at one point someone's going to say, I really want to get into this. Right. Okay, it's going to cost me $1,200 to get into this. Is it worth it? Because then it right. just becomes daunting. Right. Um, but right now, just being able to jump in um, based on whatever cards you need, finding the decks for them, you can do it pretty inexpensive right. and enjoy well, it. To kind of give perspective um, in, in that longevity. Lord of the Rings is now hitting its end of its life cycle. Mm-hmm. And Lord of the Rings has nine... They just started their last cycle 
is their ninth cycle in mm-hmm. that game. We are just starting the fourth cycle in Arkham. Mm-hmm. So it's still got several years of life left in it. Yeah. If we compare apples to apples-ish, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if Lord of the Rings is going to be the um, benchmark. We might have shorter. It might go longer. I don't know. The one benefit is that Arkham is their universe. They can do whatever the heck they want with it. Mm-hmm. And they've got a backlog of art from all the other Arkham games. They've got a backlog of Elder Gods to go through from all the other Arkham games. Mm-hmm. So there's still plenty of corners to explore. Um, five more cycles. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, five more cycles than what we already have. I believe it. Yeah. I don't think that's going to be an issue. It's just, is that going to be the natural ending point, or are we going to go a little bit further than that? Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah. So, that's Arkham Horror. That's the Tabletop Arcanum take on it. I, no shock, we recommend it. Um, They've never heard us talk about it before. No, this is a brand new game. I don't know what you're talking about. I've never seen this before in my life. Who are you? Who is, where are we? Why is that beholder staring at me? Oh, dinner's ready. Wait, we're dinner, aren't we? Womp womp. Womp womp. So next time on Tabletop Arcanum, if we survive this beholder encounter, uh, what do you think of Tapestry? I'm down for that. So, well, the new Stonemeyer game, we'll give you our thoughts on it in about two weeks. Yeah. Make sure to follow us on all the social media again. Um, I know you posted pictures of you playing Tapestry over the weekend. And the um, weekend prior. Yeah. So Justin's always posting everything that he's mm-hmm. doing. I try to post as much as I do. You play significantly more games than I do. So get on it, son. Yeah, I know. I need to. Bump those rookie numbers up. Yeah, I keep taking pictures and then looking at them and then forgetting to. Ah, uh, see. That's where I'm a little. I feel I'm a little rude to my players I play with, but it's because if I don't do it right then and there, I, I, I'll forget mm. about it. Sometimes I'll do it in the morning. Yeah. Because if, I, if I'm in the mood, I'll take I'll just make sure I take pictures and then I'll post it the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not always live, but it's relatively live. Yeah. And if you have any questions about what I post or pictures, yeah, I'm there. Hit me up. Yeah. Any questions about anything? Yeah. Tabletopocano at gmail.com. Indeed. As always, thanks for listening. This is Justin. And this is Ricky. Ciao. You've been listening to Tabletop Arcanum, hosted by Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, and featuring the original music by Paul Moore and Isaac Gilbert. You can follow us on most social media platforms. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. As always, thanks for listening.